Hey everyone. Uh welcome to the same peaks, y'all. My name's Leaf. And my name is Tess, and this is the podcast where two librarian geeks talk about the TV show Twin Peaks once every few weeks. Look, we record it when we have time. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Tess, I don't want to I don't want to speak for our listeners, but I feel like they're pretty understanding and empathetic individuals yeah. right yeah. Mm-hmm. there's a lot listen there's just a lot going on in the world and in our lives and it you know sometimes we don't get to record sometimes we do and today we are going to be discussing episode seven of twin peaks the return leaf did you watch the episode? That, that's a very important question. I did watch it. I did watch Excellent. it. And uh, Excellent. This... I'm I'm so stoked because uh, we are just one away from episode eight. <gasps> Everyone has been wanting. In fact, as uh, my beloved husband, Brett, just asked me like, oh, you guys talking about eight tonight? I was like, no, we're talking about seven. So um, before we get started. I just have a couple notes. Number one, I have a correction to make. In the last episode, I called the waitress with the what I thought was charming and some may find annoying laugh at the double R diner. I called her Marianne and I could not remember if she was from the original series. She is in the original series and her name is Heidi. I got confused. Oh, I remember Heidi. Yes, of course. Oh, holy. Of course I do. That's incredible. Wow. Good for Heidi. So that's my correction. I'm surprised nobody called me out on it on Twitter or email. But um, yeah, Uh, now we've got uh, an email from our friend Guy Dudeman. This is um, I think I think we should make this just like a, a new segment called sent from my guy phone and it's, <laughs> it's it's more random thoughts from guy um guy dudeman of course uh one of the co-hosts of it's happy hour in france a twin peaks podcast <laughs> um he says here's another random thoughts email i made while listening to your exquisite podcast during work <laughs> I don't know what guy does for work, but thank you for listening to our podcast. What a a sweetheart that guy is. (laughs) Now he says Red is one of my fave new characters. That's the um, sorcerer. Uh, The actor Balthasar Getty was one of the main actors in the Lynch film Lost Highway. Also, your buddy from Wrapped in Podcasts, I think, had a Twitter beef with him. So he's he's, uh, saying that... Our friend JR from Rafton Podcast had Twitter beef with Balthazar Getty, which I'm not sure that that's true. I'm going to find out because I I do remember that the Rafton Podcast crew had Twitter, Twitter communique with the Balthazar Getty, but I don't remember it being like aggressive or hostile or anything. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to look into that. It's been a um, while since I've been on social media. Is uh, Twitter beef um, vegan? Is it? Um, it is certainly not vegan. It is not vegan. It is not free range. It is not organic. Okay. Um, did you notice Linda, 
the name of the woman that needed a wheelchair is one of the names that uh, the character at the very beginning that that looks like the giant um, told Coop to remember. Oh, I did not catch that. I'd forgot about that. It was Richard and Linda, I believe. And we've mm. met we've met a Richard and we've heard of a Linda, but I've no idea if it's if it's the ones that we were supposed to look out for, because I don't know. <laughs> Refresh my memory. Which one was the Richard? Richard is um, there is a character named Richard Horn. He's the one that ran over a child. So <laughs> not a, not a great guy. I mean, hey, I don't want to I don't want to throw any shade, but you ran over a kid. So yeah. <laughs> I think, we, you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> we usually <laughs> exist in the judge free zone of no judgment. But if you run over a kid, I'm going to judge you. I'm so I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a judge. Yeah. Uh, he says, I concur with Leaf. Any show that is described as peaksy always falls short for me. Because um, mm. you were talking about Happy Town <laughs> and how it was peaksy, um, which put a pin in that because I have I have something for you about Happy Town. Happy um, Town. Uh, and then I agree with Tess about Doris Truman. And I think the theme of don't judge a book or walking in someone else's shoes is very prominent in the return. Mm-hmm. The continuation of same team vibes seems to mesh really well with the return. Thanks for another great episode. And that has been sent from my guy phone with Guy Dudeman. Thank you very much. It's and our um, correspondent on the outside. And uh, I got we got a tweet from uh, one of our followers. His name is John. John says, oh, my God, we still have a running joke every time cinnamon comes up where we have to say it like Greggy still still Valetto. Happy Town couldn't ever be Twin Peaks, but it was enough silly fun. We streamed the last two eps on NBC.com. You are not alone, Leaf. So another Happy Town fan. <laughs> Sometimes I got to tell you, sometimes I wake up and I tell myself, did I imagine happy town that it existed? I mean, Tess, have you ever heard of happy town? Never heard of it, but, but John has, he watched it. Um, John also sent us a, uh, an article that he wrote for, I believe he wrote it for the very excellent website yeah he did the very excellent website 25 years later about jacoby and um his very strange broadcast and what it might mean um i'm not going to uh to to read it to you because i i'm very careful about like how much outside knowledge i bring to the podcast but um i just wanted to thank john for sending us that link um well now that uh, we're thanks to John, thanks to Guy. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, say, I appreciate you being careful with outside knowledge because now that we're recording in, I'm in my house and you're in your house, I'm right near this window. So. The spoiler dove could be you. waiting for you at yeah. any moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. At least when we recorded at your house, I could see outside at all times. Um, thank you so much for your, your tweet and your email. You guys are very sweet. I actually have a correction, Tess. Okay. Correction slash update. Do you remember when I was talking about, um, in our last episode, I kept talking about um, this the scene where 
some um i don't remember the character's name but he flips the coin up in the air and it spins that's around red. that's Thank red you. yeah and i was i was telling you that it reminded me of some kind of buddhist quote or something do you remember this yeah yeah okay so i was wrong it's um so anyway the the quote is actually from uh david hume the scottish philosopher and okay. i heard it from um uh so there was a video game called enter the matrix and it features Niobe and Ghost. Do you remember Niobe and Ghost, Tess? I do. Yeah, Niobe and then Ghost is her her um, her pilot. Um, or no, wait, she's the pilot and he's the gunner. He's the best. Anyway, here's the quote. <clears throat> they en they're entering the Matrix in the video game, Enter the Matrix. Niobe says, why do you always do it? And Ghost says, what? Check your guns. They're always loaded the same way. And Ghost says, Hume teaches us that past experiences don't affect the future. If we throw a stone, a hundred times it can fall down, yet once it might fly up. And that's what I was thinking of when I uh, saw that coin floating in the air. It made me think of how usually coins fall, but that one kind of floated and went inside someone's mouth. <laughs> I did just want to say one more thing. Um, in the last episode... I read an email from our best friend, Chris, best friend of the podcast, Chris, who runs the Same Peaks Y'all Facebook page. If you'd like to like Same Peaks Y'all on Facebook, um, he said uh, we were talking about the band Trouble that Riley Lynch is in um, that played the song Snake Eyes at the Roadhouse um, and and. Chris had pointed out there was also a metal band, his favorite metal band, which was called Trouble. Um, sadly, the lead singer of um, Trouble uh, passed away last month. And mm -hmm. so I just wanted to send some love and kindness to the family of Eric Wagner and also to our buddy Chris, who's probably, you know, really saddened by that. Um, so we'll just send a little love and kindness out there. Uh, to the the trouble family out there in the world all right are you are you ready sir are I you am. ready to talk about this episode so i'm going to um i'm going to summarize this episode for you part seven of the return also known as there's a body all right and uh, you can fill in with your color commentary and i have my handy dandy highlighter right there in case we uh, come across any mysteries. Um, so we begin with Jerry Horn in the woods and he is having a bad trip. He is very paranoid. That felt very familiar when I was watching this scene. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I know how you feel, Jerry. I feel like I know how you feel. And I, um, uh, give me some flashbacks when I watch that. You gotta be careful when you're taking edibles. Yeah. You don't want to take too much. And sometimes it can affect you in different ways. Sometimes you, you pop an edible and you feel really relaxed and sometimes you get in a situation where you feel like the opposite of relaxed which is what jerry is apparently feeling he calls ben he tells him someone stole his car he he says i think i'm high and i don't know where i am <laughs> he's in the woods it's um uh it's a it's a it's a troubling scene for jerry but ben is just like <sighs> whatever <laughs> he doesn't 
doesn't seem that concerned. I love how um, maybe Jerry does this a lot. I don't know. <laughs> well, I love how we've talked about this before. How some characters seem very different, and then mm. some seem very much the same. Like Ben seems the same. And and to be honest, if we're doing like a um, like plot points from the old show to now. I think Ben still seems like a pretty good guy, right? Like he hasn't done anything bad yet, you know? Um, Not that I know of. So I kind of really like that because I wanted him to stay good Ben. I like good Ben. Um, Over at the uh, Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, uh, we are looking through these pages, the pages that Hawk found in the bathroom and they've determined they are from Laura Palmer's diary. Um, and we even get a flashback to a scene in Fire Walk with me. Um, so there's three of four pages. So one is still missing. And um, they uh, they surmise that Leland must have hid the pages there. Um, and they point out something that I thought was interesting because they are, you know, analyzing the the stuff and it it says in there about the good dale is in the lodge and they they point out something that i often forget which is that laura never met cooper (laughs) like the two main characters of twin peaks never met um well the well i guess highlight that for me oh oh okay Or did they? Or did they? Uh, they never seem to meet in real life. That is, um, there we go. Or on on an earthly plane. Um, so if the Good Dale is in the lodge, they are wondering who came out of the lodge with Annie, um, because Coop or or what they presumed was Coop, whoever they presumed was Coop, left apparently not long after the events of the season two finale. Um, And then uh, (laughs) Frank is like, let me bring Harry up to speed on this. Maybe he has some um, insight and, uh, but they, they get him on the phone and Harry is not, he's not in a good place to talk right now. He needs rest. And Frank tells him just beat this thing. So we can, we can maybe infer from that, that perhaps Truman has cancer. I'm wondering. Um, and it's not going well, wherever he is and whatever, um, treatment center he's at. The more I see of, um, Frank, the more I like of Frank, he seems like a cool dude. And he says something like stay strong, brother, or keep fighting yeah. brother. And he's a sweetheart. Cause he's like, I was going to drop this on you. And you know what? It's not important. Don't worry about it. You know, he's yeah. a, he's a good guy. This Frank. Um, speaking of uh, cool cops, Andy is investigating that the, the child who was murdered and he's talking to a guy who um is that is that whose truck that was i don't i was confused but the guy is like i don't wanna i can't tell you anything here um we can meet later at another place so like you get this feeling like he either needs to be someplace or maybe he's being watched or something like that and andy agrees okay we'll meet later We'll question you later. Andy um, seems very um assertive in this episode too. Super professional. Yeah. I yeah. feel like Andy's grown a lot, maybe yeah. as 
officer in his his years that yeah. we 25 years that we haven't seen him yeah not not to be like uh i don't mean this is a put down but he seems like a real cop <laughs> you know <laughs> like, like he's like really but he seems like a sweetheart not too crying yeah he's not crying <laughs> there was i didn't see a single tear on his face <laughs> Um, we get to talk to Doc Hayward mm. via Skype, via a really crazy, like, monitor that is built into Frank Truman's desk. It's, like, controlled by a lever, and it, like, slides up. Um, and uh, and Frank asks, does, does Doc Hayward remember examining Cooper, like, post- Lodge Cooper and Doc Hayward confirms he was acting really strange. They took him to the hospital, but he snuck out of um, intensive care, I guess was the last place they saw him sneaking out of. And he mentions that Audrey Horn, they were like, why was he there? He's like, I don't know. Maybe he was visiting Audrey Horn, who was in a coma there after um, the, the bank explosion. And, um, and then he describes a really amazing breakfast that he had. I just enjoyed that. <laughs> well, I enjoyed this scene because to me, this is one of the rare in this season so far, cozy moments, right? Like it was yeah. very, it was yeah. very sweet. And another reason I like Frank, like Frank seems to really like this guy and they're like good buds, you know, it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. And it was nice to see, um, is that's that's Warren Frost, that actor who's actually Mark Frost's brother, I believe. And um, I, I, I get the feeling that his health maybe wasn't mm. like 100% to appear on the television show, but he could appear in a scene via Skype. So that was nice. So it was nice. We got to spend some time with him. And um, I also like, too, that it kind of dispels like there's kind of a um, what's the word? a stereotype that older individuals can't use technology and there's a part where frank is like do you know what skype is and he's like yeah of course i use it all the time it's incredible yeah Yeah, i don't even have to leave the house and i love it i was like okay we're on skype you know i thought that was really cool yeah i like that too um we're in buckhorn uh lieutenant knox which we'll remember she was kind of dispatched from some kind of like shady government like maybe it was the pentagon i don't know like um she but she was sent by uh uh ernie hudson to um investigate uh that body and and there's a body all right um constance informs uh her that this individual was in their late 40s they died within like the past five to six days um so she calls Colonel Davis, who sent her and um, and and says, yeah, I think it's I think it's him, but he's the wrong age. Um, He should be in his 70s at this point. And then there's a figure walking down the hall. Did you notice that figure behind her? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar to the to the figure we saw in the jail cell with Bill Hastings that sort of kind of like disappeared in the smoke. I completely forgot about that guy. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, I mean, that was like quite a few episodes ago and it was like, <laughs> remember such this a guy? Brief, he looked like this moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, she tells her like, <laughs> no one else accesses this body. 
this is our investigation now. Um, so it's Briggs's body, right? Right. But we we don't know where his head is, right? Right. It's Garland Briggs's body, but it doesn't make any sense that he would be in his forties. Um, you highlight that for me, please. Okay. If you can highlight his head. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, you got it. Thank you. Um, we get this really great scene of Gordon Cole whistling. Um, <laughs> uh, Albert comes back to uh, report about his interaction with Diane. He says she is not interested in helping. It's your turn. And um, uh, and Gordon's like, okay, we'll go together. And Albert's like, say please. And Gordon's like, what? And he's like, you heard me. <laughs> um, when I when I saw that, I felt like that led credence to his, he pretends to not hear. Remember my theory that he can hear I better. Remember your, your theory about that. <laughs> that he can hear better than people let on. Mm-hmm. And Albert knows. And Albert knows. Albert's, Albert's worked with him long enough. He's oh, figured it out. Yeah. Um, so we, we're going to go visit Diane. We get to her apartment. There's a guy leaving her apartment, kind of a young, good-looking guy. Um, and they... Inform- I barely notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, they inform her that, you know, Coop is uh, locked up in, in jail in South Dakota. And she's like, good uh you know she's like oh that's good and um she serves them some some damn good coffee which was very considerate of her seeing as though she does not look like she's happy to see either and she immediately said she wasn't going to get them anything also <laughs> I, I love her delivery of every time she says f you to someone it's so good you oh. know chef's kiss uh, i went the chef's kiss to the fu her delivery because she does it multiple times i was like that's so good so good She's so good um they they tell her listen the reason we're here is there's something wrong with cooper and we need an informed opinion we need someone else who knows him to confirm this and so um she is they are flying they're gonna fly back she's coming with them she's smoking on the plane which seems like a a bad choice but um (laughs) diane does what she wants and uh um they now tammy is on the plane and she's talking to gordon cole about the fingerprints that she was analyzing we'll recall a few episodes ago she was um looking at the fingerprints and it it appears she was we we can now say that she was looking at cooper's fingerprints from now the cooper that they have in custody and the cooper that i guess is in the fbi database from 25 years ago and it looks like they're the same fingerprints but reverse um which is very interesting it's also the way that they they speak in the black lodge is is everything is reversed Um, that's really cool yeah and then gordon does this thing with tammy's fingers and he points to like one of them is the spiritual mound I didn't understand that part, but I thought that I should throw it in the summary in case it's important later. Um, we also get to see the only known photo 
of Cooper um, over these past few years or, or, or Booper, I guess I should say. Um, and it looks like a still from Vice City. <laughs> yay. Um, I just really love the image so much. Like he's like walking away from like a Scarface like mansion in the background. It's amazing. Um, they get to the prison and um, she's going to talk to him alone. And she says, you got 10 minutes of my time tops. And they're like, that's fine. That's all we need. And uh, she kind of steals herself before she lifts the curtain and she is face to face with Booper. Um, and uh, she asks him when, when was the last time we saw each other? And uh, like, does he remember the last time they saw each other? And then, and he asks, are you upset with me? And she says um, it was at, it was at her house. That was the last time they saw each other. And she said, I will always remember. I will never forget. And she asks, who are you? Something, something bad happened the yeah, last yeah. time Booper and Diane interacted. Um, and so uh, following all of this, um, Cole asks Warden Murphy to hold Booper. Um, as, and um, Diane says that um, he hasn't changed since the last time she saw him, that inside, that's not Cooper. And then she has this really awkward hug with Gordon Cole. <laughs> and um, Gordon wants to know about that night that the last night that she saw Booper and she says, uh, you and I will have to talk sometime about this. So he doesn't, she doesn't, she can't talk about it right now. Um, she seems very upset and traumatized. She's drinking, she's drinking. <laughs> she has, I don't know where she pulled that small bottle of liquor from, but she <laughs> says cheers to the FBI. And she, she downs some alcohol because she needs it after that interaction with Booper. Go ahead and um, highlight um, her last time seeing Booper. I think you okay. and I are on the same page, but I think we should probably discuss it. You got it. Even if we don't really want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got yeah, it. I know. I know. Um, <coughs> uh, Booper has a message for Warden Murphy. Uh, they must speak in his office about a strawberry. Um, then we get this shot of Andy. He's waiting. I guess it's the time and place that he said he was going to meet that guy. Uh, but that guy is not there. He hasn't shown up. And, um, we do get like a shot of that guy. What looks like that guy's house and the door is open. So we can infer that something has happened to that guy in the meantime. Um, the most interesting thing about this scene, in my opinion, is uh, Andy checks his watch and he's wearing a Rolex. Uh, those are very expensive watches. Um, well, in our reality, they're very expensive. <laughs> oh, do it, you have a theory? Should it, I highlight it? In, in, well, sure. Go ahead and highlight it. You probably already know where I'm going with this. Um, the thing I liked about this scene and this whole kind of side thing is um, this side story is I really like getting like these kind of unresolved side stories and we might 
they might all wrap up at the end, but if they don't, I'm perfectly fine with that because what was it? There was that guy who was like, was it the first episode or the second where they were looking for the key to the room and he was like, Oh no, uh, they're on to us. And I was like, it'd be fine if we never found out. Like, I love that kind of like, like there are stories and, and one story just kind of like doesn't even intersect. It just nudges up against our story and then it goes in its own way. And I, I really, I really like that as a person who's fine, not having the answer. It does not bother me. I like well, it a lot. You, I mean, when you think about it, there's so many things in your life that you'll have interactions with people and then they go unresolved, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, for instance, today at the library. So we had to close the library briefly because um, several of the staff were exposed to COVID and we all had to go home and quarantine and get tests. And there were enough of us that had been exposed by other staff members that tested positive that there just weren't enough staff to run the library. So we unfortunately had to close briefly (laughs) until folks got cleared and we could all come back to work. And I'm just going to say, everyone's fine. No worries. Um, but so we shut down for a little while and um, our building we share with a senior center and they did not have to shut down. Um, and they came over <laughs> today with a ceramic, like a metal slash ceramic lizard. And they told me that a child came to the library while we were closed. We were, he saw that we were closed. So he went to the senior center and he said, will you give this? to the library when they reopen, I saw it and I ha- I thought that they had to have it. And so I got, I got this donation of a, like a metal ceramic lizard. And I have, I don't know who this child was. I don't know why this child felt like I needed a lizard. I don't, there's so much unresolved uh, things. <laughs> Highlight it for me. Highlight it. And you I'm think it's related. You think it's related? <laughs> Please highlight the ceramic lizard and the kid and we'll discuss it. Okay. I love the idea that like now, like the mysteries could just transcend the show. I think I know. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I actually do have a theory okay. for the lizard. Yeah. We yeah. can discuss it later in the mysteries. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So Booper is taken to the warden's office, which seems like that's weird that they would just take a prisoner directly to the warden's office, but I well, guess the warden's kind of shady, right? The you know? warden is shady. And is um, that the same warden that um that uh Cole talked to? Yes, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah, like so, hold on to him is what he said. Right, exactly. So he turns the security cameras off so they can speak privately. Um, and he pulls a gun on him. And Cooper mentions the dog leg and he mentions like, remember there was one in his trunk. How how could I forget? Yeah. And he says the other three went out with info and, and the warden seems very troubled by this. And he was like, well, how do I know? And Booper mentions Joe McCluskey. And then the warden is like, what do you want? And he's like, I want a car for me and Ray. And I want a gun in the glove compartment. And he says, and if you do that, then no one will find out about the late Mr. Strawberry. Go ahead and highlight um, this exchange for me, please. Okay. 
Yeah. Also, how are you doing? Because you are a dog lover. How are you doing knowing that there's dog legs out there and about? <laughs> Very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would be upset as well. You know? <laughs> You know what's funny too, Ned, since you mentioned me being a dog lover, of course, you know, I'm also a bird lover. Of course. Um, I feed I feed the birds out on my balcony and I am like, like uh, mildly to moderately obsessed with the birds on my balcony and making sure that they have like everything that they need to like survive. And um, my, one of my favorite birds I've discovered is the dove. And I feel like I kind of feel guilty that we turned the spoiler dove into this like malevolent like scary being that will put peck your eyes out i don't think so here's the deal like i don't think the dove is any more evil than any other like the dove is neutral his job he just does what he has to do thank you his job (laughs) is to peck my eyes out that's his job if i get spoilers it's i'm i hey dove i hold i do not hold it against you if you have to peck my eyes out i understand that is his role in this world you know i love i love the doves that come to our balcony they're so sweet and they they're so they're so dumb that's what i like about them they just seem so sweet and innocent and i i love them so much i always i want to protect them they're so sweet um them how about this podcast idea dem dumb doves Dem Dumb Doves. Welcome to Dem Dumb Doves with uh Them Dumb Doves with Tess. Where doves where we talk about all the dumb things the doves do out of my out of my balcony. Yeah, that's not bad. Um we got Janie E looking at the statue this time (laughs) for for a change. Um looks like she's waiting for is that statue um in the real world? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, like is it a real like in front of a building somewhere? I'll, I'll try to find out. Yeah. I'm just, just dawned on me. Like it might be, you know, I'm going to make a note. Look for a statue. Just walking around the neighborhood. (laughs) Where's that statue? I'm going to look at this note later and be like, what was I talking about? I do that Um, with all of the tests. Every time I, every time I look through this book and I was like, where was I going? I did. Oh, well, what was it? I think I put down one was, um, can I see that look again really quick? That looks like the Necronomicon. Oh, it's a tree. Okay. Tree, oh, that's yeah. actually that's actually quite beautiful. This is this is the oh here, let me show you something quite beautiful. I I was at the desk the other day and it was it wasn't that busy. I'm actually really happy with this. I've been really into the idea of like trees and plants like coming out of skulls. Look at this. Oh look at that bad boy. I love it. Ooh, I like that. That's pretty thank, cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. For the <laughs> audio listeners, uh it is a drawing of a tree coming out of a skull. <laughs> if, you, if you do want to see it, uh, just look up same team y'all on YouTube and you'll find our YouTube channel where we post these episodes. Wait, there's one uh, more. Give me one second. Oh. Here it is. Here's another one. Here's a bunch of ivy coming out of a skull on this side. <laughs> oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so uh, Janie E is looking up at that statue. It looks like she's maybe waiting for Duper to come out of work. Um, Tony is confronting Duper. Um, he wants to know, what were you talking to the boss about? Because we can infer from context clues that Tony might have been involved in something nefarious and he doesn't want his boss to find out. And so he's, he's concerned. 
Um, while Duper is just like doodling on his desk. He's just like. Um, and someone comes in to inform him that the police are here to see Dougie. And so Tony jets. Like, so you, you can, in, you can like infer a lot about Tony from this. Scene. He was like, oh, there's a, uh, oh, highlight him leaving for me, okay. please. Okay. And then we get to meet the detectives Fusco. Are all of them named Fusco? I think that they, I think that they are, there's like three guys and that's how they're introduced. The detectives Fusco. So, um, then Janie E arrives um, and she talks to these cops and she tells them what's going on. Like we're missing a car. It was probably stolen. And guess what guys, there's more to life than cars. All right. We're under a lot of stress. Um, and they're like, yeah, the car, we found it. It was exploded and it was associated with like a gang. Um, but uh Janie E kind of like dismisses them. They're like, yeah, good. Look into the car. And meanwhile, I'm going to take my husband home because like there's more to life than cars and gangs and cops. I love how much she protects Dougie. I think it's so sweet. And she's like, no, no. Yeah. She's like, no, we're not doing this right now. Dumb cops. Of course, our car exploded. Who cares? You idiots. But as and as they're walking out, Janie E is kind of lecturing Dougie, and then Ike the Spike approaches with a gun, and Duper swings into action, and he um, disarms the guy and is like takes him down, and then we see the, the arm, or maybe it's the the evil version of the arm. I couldn't tell. And it tells him to squeeze his hand off. <laughs> oh, the arm. That's right. I forgot yeah. we were caught because it's the evolution of the arm, right? Ah, uh, yes. The evolution yeah, of the arm, yeah. the, the lightning tree. The lightning thing. tree slash like nerve or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah slash brain. This, slash what does it say? It says to what? Break his arm his off? his hand off. <laughs> Wait, what is that again? Say it for me. Please his hand off yeah that's right um highlight um what's his name something the spike ike ike the spike highlight ike the spike and then um highlight give me one second um i I guess just the interaction okay yeah squeeze his Um, hand off yeah um whenever i play video games um which i've been getting into them a lot well just i've been doing this thing where i just play like it doesn't matter. But anyway, whenever I'm playing games that involve swords and stuff, which most of them do, Frey always tells me when there's bad guys, she goes, cut his butt off. Cut his butt <laughs> off. And then she'll say, then all the poop will fall out like that. She's so funny. Cut his butt off. Cut his butt off. Can I also tell you another thing about Freya that she said that's funny lately? I haven't talked about Freya for a while, so. No, we um, haven't. It's okay. Um, we were in a public restroom recently at a park. I had to go to the bathroom. So I was using the urinal. She knows what urinals are. You know, I don't like, there's no secrets. I explain what things are. And she, so she knows what a urinal is, but I guess she forgot what it was called. And she goes, I really like your special penis toilet. (laughs) (laughs) So funny, right? And it's funny because it's not wrong. It's especially us. It's a special toilet that people with penises can use. Yeah. Yeah. She goes, she goes, I really like your special penis toilet. I said, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. 
She's a, she's also uh, one more. We were buying tampons for Amanda, and so Freya also knows what tampons and periods are. But she somehow got herself confused because when we open them up, it comes with instructions, and she uh-huh. thought the instructions were how to make the tampons. <laughs> so she thought we were going to be making them for. For yeah, mommy. you gotta you gotta roll them up. For yeah, mommy. yeah, it's like uh, it's like a craft, like an arts and craft type situation. It's gonna be my next crafternoon Ooh. at the library. I'm so glad that you don't have to construct tampons. Like, I'm glad that they just come. <laughs> well, Amanda was like, I wouldn't use any tampons you guys made. <laughs> <laughs> She's so funny, you but it real, Amanda. It yeah, was- I know. Keep, Amanda keeps it real, but yeah. So anyway. There it is. <laughs> That's a that was an interesting tangent. I like your special <laughs> penis toilet. <laughs> At the Great Northern, mm. um, there's like a chiming sound coming from the wall, and Beverly noticed it last week, and so they're just her and Ben are kind of just like walking around the room. Because like they 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 feel like they hear it in one corner and then it's sort of like transfers to another corner. It's very mysterious. Um, and then she also lets Ben know that a key arrived in the mail. And Ben recognizes it as room 315. And he was like, oh, yes, I remember Agent Cooper stayed in room 315. And then I was thinking to myself, like, would you really remember the exact room that you stayed in? But then I thought, like, actually, that whole, like, series of events was very significant to Ben because he was kind was he kind of like in love with Laura a little bit he was Um, kind of but even if you're right, he was kind of in love with Laura, but even if he wasn't a man was shot in his hotel in that room, true. you know? So that's I think he would true. remember. Yeah. I didn't think that it was that true. weird. Um, highlight the tone, please. The, the beeping tom- noise. The ch- yes. The you ch- got it. The chime, the tone. Chime, the tone. Um, the tone. He's, they're kind of flirting with each other. Um, he tells Beverly to call him Ben. Um, and the, the scene ends with like a zoom in, like a slow zoom on the wood wall. Um, and we see Beverly. I highlight that zoom in. You got it. Thank you. Beverly, by the way, she is down, right? She seems down. I yeah. thought she was more down than Ben. I thought yeah. Ben, I thought Ben was almost being like, so this whole scene made me think of when Amanda, when we were in high school and she was trying to be like, oh, you're so funny. I was like, yeah, I like Pokemon. Bye. And she was like, oh, shoot. And then she was like, hey, I want to make out with you. I was like, that would be cool. Goodbye. I'm an idiot boy. And then she was like, okay, I need to like basically physically abuse this boy to know, let him know that I'm interested. Because it felt like she was trying to let him know. And he was just like, yeah, call me Ben. I'm an old man now. I'm going to go do my crosswords, you know. <laughs> um. Now we get a little uh, insight into Beverly's personal life. She she gets home and someone is leaving the house and they're kind of giving her a report about someone who's in the house and like how she had to give him extra pain meds today. 
Um, so you can maybe infer that this is like a nurse um, or some kind of companion to somebody with a, with a, like maybe in a hospice situation. A nurse? Um, the person leaving the house. Yeah. Like a nurse. Oh, a nurse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you thought I said. <laughs> I thought you, well, I thought you said nurse. And nurse isn't a word. I thought no, you said I thought you said nurse. And I was like, a oh nurse. <laughs> a nurse, of course. A nurse, of course. Um uh, she comes in and she's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm late, honey. This is her husband, Tom, and he wants to know why she's late. Um, which I feel like is a question you might ask your significant other if they came home at a time that you were unfamiliar with like why why were they late and she's like listen don't f with me okay she goes like on the defense like right away she's like we're really lucky that i even have this job if i have to stay late at the job i don't want to hear about it um and uh so yeah there's some dysfunction happening in Beverly's home. It looks like Tom might have cancer or some sort of debilitating disease. Do we know Tom? That's her husband. We haven't oh. met him before. Um, but, um, but yeah. And Beverly, maybe she's resentful that she had to, she has to be the breadwinner now. Um, I don't know. Then we get this scene at the roadhouse. And the song Green Onions is playing and a guy is just sweeping and he's sweeping for like a good, I don't know, like seven minutes or something. I wish I had timed it. Actually. We should do we should do a um, a segment called Linger Watch and we, we time out like these scenes that just kind of linger. And because I bet it feels I bet it's a lot. I bet it's less less long i bet it's shorter than what we think it is you're probably but, right but it's still really long right and it just feels really long because mm. when you're watching a tv show you're expecting non-stop action and then when you sit and you think about it like actually yeah i vacuum my house and it takes me like a good long time and it's not exciting um that's just Did I like, tell you, you know? have we talked about the show homecoming on i think it's on prime no, we have not talked about we haven't? that. Yeah, or if we have, I don't remember. Yeah, it has Julia Roberts in it. And I've gotten really into it. It's it's two seasons. I haven't finished the first one yet. And it's, I would say it's Twin Peaksy in a way, not in the, like, certainly not like the, you know, is it the real world? And there's hands, you know, things ripping people out, but just kind of in the way that it treats its characters and like, um, actually not Twin Peaksy, but more like it's infused with this feeling of paranoia, like something's wrong. And then you turn the corner and like, oh, nothing, like the creepiness of a, of a house at night, like something's yeah. wrong, but it's not wrong, but it's maybe it's wrong. And anyway, the reason I mentioned it is that, sh that show, it, it does a lot of lingering, which I really appreciate, but it always ends whenever the show ends, it lingers on the final shot. So whatever it is, it stays put focused on it while the credits roll, whatever it is, whether it's traffic or something. And the, this last one without spoiling things is Julia Roberts is real upset and she messes up her desk and then the episode ends. And it, so then it lingers on her just slowly putting everything back on her desk. And like, I, I don't know why I love it. And Amanda's like, okay, next episode. And I'm like, no, no, we got to watch Julia Roberts. Put what, her desk back once there was like a stork or, or a, a heron or something, just like walking near a pond. And we just like watched it. 
for like I said, I mean, it was the credits. So I feel like it was at least two to three minutes of this stork heron walking around. And anyway, if if you're interested, it's pretty good. Like I said, Twin Peaks is like a level all on its own, but like it's it's pretty good. Like there's some I feel I feel obligated to tell you because I didn't tell you that Rabbits was based on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Homecoming is based on a podcast. You know, I feel like we have talked about this because I feel like okay. you told me that already. Okay, okay. Yeah. so <laughs> I need to check that. I told you I'm listening to Tannis right now. I'm getting really into like narrative, like podcast, like things that are scripted because I think that's kind of yeah. fun. Um, yeah, I might have to check that out because I, I, I'm enjoying the homecoming. Maybe I'll finish the show and then listen to the podcast. Or podcast something. talk, little brief tangent. I got really into this podcast. It's called Wild Thing. And it's about um, the first season is all about Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and Leaf, I am obsessed now with the idea of Bigfoot. Like I can't, I can't decide if I believe in Bigfoot, but I'm open to the idea of Bigfoot or Sasquatches or some sort of like animal that we've yet to discover um, in the woods. And I have just been like nonstop thinking about what if there's a big. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you something is that um, if you're on the fence about if you believe in Bigfoot or not. Yeah. Um, clearly you've never seen me without my shirt on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you he's right here. He's in front of you the whole time. Don't let don't let them know. Go okay. find me. You're so funny. Safe with Don't me. let them know that I'm actually Bigfoot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so Renault, this is Jean-Michel Renault. I did not um, like this scene. No, he gets a phone call and he's talking on the phone and he's like, yeah, sent him two blondes. And you get the impression that this Renault is also a criminal, um, like all of his family before him. And maybe he's doing some human trafficking, maybe some prostitution. Um, so that's happening. Another exception to the no judging rule. If you're into human trafficking, I'm a judge. Yeah. We're going to judge that. For yeah. Sure. yeah. So wait, real quick. This is the same actor that played a different Renault. So he, he played, it, yeah, he played he, Jacques. Jacques Renault, I think. And yeah. now he's a different Renault, right? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure he's not the same character because that no, character no, died. it's not the same, not the same guy. It's like another member of the family played um, by this character. Highlight it for me, please. Okay. Um, and uh, I mean, we know that shady things have been happening at the roadhouse. Like there's basically like an upside down roadhouse beneath the roadhouse where like Laura used to hang out and like meet Johns and stuff. So I didn't um, know that. Um, I didn't know that the roadhouse was always owned by Renault's. That's new information to us, right? Yeah, I guess so. For like generations. <laughs> generations of Renault. Here's the deal. Nothing against that actor. And this is just your playing to your strength, but man, real ugh. real creep factor. Real yeah. uh, uh, like, yeah. when I think of this character, and not just not just this one, but whenever this particular actor is playing this type of like like women are just things to be used, like <laughs> and they like that. This is the I'm gonna do a noise. It's the way I feel on the inside. Yeah. 
it's a visceral reaction that you have yeah i get I, it I, I mean hey hey women everyone i try to i try to love everyone but but women i apologize for all men right now i'm so sorry <laughs> particularly the renaults i apologize on behalf of the renaults i'm so sorry <laughs> um the we see the prison door unlock and Booper and Ray are led out of the prison by guards as the warden looks on and Booper tells Ray to drive that car out of there. And, um, and then um, we see, I don't, I'm like looking at my notes. I don't understand what's happening right here. I have written, find the statue written down. I've written down park. Park Woods Woods Sleepwalk playing. That's the song that is playing. Line. That's playing in the oh dark woods. I wrote. We have a scene of dark woods, which is juxtaposed to a scene of like the very bright roadhouse. And um, the song Sleepwalk is playing at the roadhouse, and we see Shelly and Norma, and then somebody runs into the roadhouse and asks, "Has anyone seen Billy?" And everyone kind of just like turns around and then I guess Billy's not there. So the guy leaves and that's the end of the episode. I like Billy for me. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode was in memory of Warren Frost, who passed away, mm-hmm. I guess, shortly after filming his scene as Doc Hayward. Um, and that is the episode. Shall we get into the many mysteries therein? I told you that I put our website on my resume, right? <laughs> Do you get any comments about that? The interview? <laughs> I never have. I'm guessing they never check it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I, know. I, you know, I so I've been on a few hiring committees yeah. and um, recently, and recently one of the people who applied for a job at the library listed her fan fiction website on her resume yeah and leaf i went to it and it was a broken link i didn't i didn't get to read any fan fiction at all i was really disappointed but um so to answer your question some people do investigate the links that are on resumes yeah uh well that's such an interesting thing well the only reason i so for audio listeners the reason i said that just then is that during the music we do i do weird dance the test is elegant um a choreograph <laughs> beautiful dances and i do weird um interpretive visceral um um like really they they're they come from the gut and they're they're ugly they're like an ugly cry that goes on way longer than it should that's the kind of dancing i do so that's why i was like a, an employer could click on it and then watch this and be like why did he include this Anyway, it didn't come up in the interview. Can you imagine I'm at the interview and they're like, so Twin Peaks, you know? <laughs> That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, uh, you wanted me to highlight the fact that I stated that Laura never met Cooper. Whoa. At, le- at least in the earthly realm that is presented by the television show Twin Peaks. Yeah, you know where we're going. Where I was going with this is that they met in the Red Room though, right? Right. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. So they met in the Red Room um, across time, right? Because they, it, it wouldn't have worked if, it, like, they didn't enter the, they weren't dreaming at the same time or whatnot. So, yeah, so they have met. And she probably knows of him somehow, I guess. Um, the fact that the Garland Briggs's body is the wrong age, quote unquote, and also missing a head. Okay, um, so the wrong age, uh, I'm just going to say timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, wherever he went earlier when he was in that green place with the thing on his neck, he might have gone back again. But we know where his head is. Where is it? Remember when Cooper was in that place? Oh, we saw the head float by. It was floating around. Yeah, I think his yeah. head literally was in that place. That's where it went. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, mystery solved. On to the next one. That was easy. Um, uh, we don't have to talk about it long, but what do you think happened between Booper and Diane the last time it's, they saw each other? It's got to be like a sexual abuse, right? I think so. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if Coop and Diane had a thing already. Because I, I can't imagine. Possibly, I feel like yeah. I feel like Coop would have been super profesh. But maybe they did, or maybe she always had a thing for him, and then he came back, and now he was susceptible uh, to her, you know, and then bad things happened. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, you can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, Coop is a, um, the Coop that we know from the original Twin Peaks series is a good-looking and charming and intellectual man, and I could see how any woman might be attracted to him, say, myself i don't know like <laughs> quick are you not to not to pry are you like really physically attracted to him i love kyle mclaughlin he's he's always been one of my like celebrity crushes but here's the question <laughs> is it is it because he was cooper let's pretend he was never cooper and it's just him i mean he's a good looking guy just on his own but a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's yeah. cooper yeah. yeah i'm mostly attracted to the character of agent dale yeah. cooper yeah i feel the same way about gal gadot because she's not necessarily my my um traditional body type that i go for but she's wonder woman so as wonder woman you're into it as wonder woman i'm into it um um yes. you had uh do you have a theory about andy's rolex Oh, well, we said it already. In this world, Rolexes are super cheap. And in our world, they're very expensive. So I think it's just another... I think... I do think in a way David Lynch is trying to tell us that the show isn't meant to be emulating the real world, right? Not just the Rolex situation, but like the weird computers and we and, and things where people say it was idioms that don't exist in our world. I think it's his, yeah. his own very smart way of saying like, hey... This isn't going to pretend to be the real world, you know, and mm -hmm. some things are bizarre, but other things might seem bizarre and they're not, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Um, you told me to highlight the entire interaction between the warden and Booper about the dog legs. <laughs> this is my theory. I think the way David Lynch thinks about things is I think David Lynch was like, okay, so, um, I want to do a scene that shows that Booper has dirt on the warden and warden's going to let him out. Mm -hmm. 
the details are not important. So like who Mr. Strawberry is, what are the dog legs? What's the dirt he has on him? I think David Lynch is like, none of that's important. So like, I'm just going to have him say things and do things that basically say, oh, I've got dirt on you. And now you're going to let me go. And like the actual details is not important at all. And I think he does this. This is my theory several times throughout the show where like a thing doesn't seem to make sense or what is it? But like the thing that doesn't make sense isn't important. The thing that doesn't make sense is just the avenue to get to the thing that he wants to get to, if that makes sense. I like that there because you're, you're right. What really happened between Mr. Strawberry and the dog and Booper and Warden Murphy doesn't matter. The end game is that it was enough. It was effective blackmail to get Mm -hmm. him and Ray out of jail with a gun and a car. So it must have been pretty. And the scene does does a couple things. So one, not only does it get does it get Booper and Ray out of the prison, right? Um, it also establishes that Booper has dirt on the warden. So he's well connected, which we kind of already knew already. But then also it kind of lends this level of like what did happen, right? And we'll, we'll never know, but like it's a, kind of like this level of of like it it tells us more about Booper, right? He can be arrested and he seems to just he knows things, right? And it doesn't really matter like how or what. It's just, this is what he's telling us about the character. I like really yeah. like this like approach to storytelling where it's like, not a, that's not important. Don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, Tony uh, fleeing the scene as soon as the police arrive, the detectives Fusco. Oh, so in that scene, he said, oh, there's a, uh, oh, I just remember. There's a phone I got to make, a phone call I got to make, right? Theory, there wasn't a phone call. <laughs> good solid solid theory thank you um uh ike the spike and and the evolution of the arm telling duper to squeeze his hand off the first thought ike the spike what is he known for he's known for i guess killing people with an ice pick yeah but what does he have in this scene he bent his ice pick in oh. the last episode, which is why he has a gun this time. I yeah, guess. I was, well, I was going to wonder why does he have a gun, but I guess he bent his ice pick. Yeah, I think so. Theory. Uh, yeah. His gun doesn't shoot bullets. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. What does he shoot? What does it shoot? Spikes. Shoots little tiny little ice picks. Ice picks. Thank you. And as far as the arm, the evolution of the arm or whatnot, saying break its hand off or squeeze his hand off. I I don't know. The the thing it's trying to communicate. This is the first time we've seen that thing in the the Twin Peaks real world, you know? So it's really, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, What do you think about the chime tone sound and the slow zoom in on the wood. So um, two theories about the chime. One, it is something that um, Leland Palmer left behind. Oh. Something that has become activated or something that did a timer because we know Leland hid the journal entries in the okay. restroom. Um, so it stands to reason he could have left something in the walls. I don't know, maybe or something. Um, theory number two regarding that, it's something that Booper left there. Um, because okay. we know he's Mr. Well-Connected and he has boxes that turn into balls and who knows what's going on. That it's either Leland Palmer or Booper. Um, the wood, um, that wood has someone's soul in it. 
I don't know who's. Can I offer an additional theory? No. Okay, you're allowed to. You'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, what if it's somehow related to Josie? Oh. Who, who we saw her soul be trapped in a piece of wood at the Great Northern. Is it possible that over the past 25 years, her soul has learned to like permeate all of the wood of the Great Northern and she's somehow crying out for help via this like chime noise? Did you ask if it's possible? Yeah. No, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that solves that mystery. Uh, I, I like that. I like it. I um I don't know why I like to picture her stuck in the drawer pool itself, but I mean, it's been 25 years. Um, yeah. I'd like to think that she kind of has evolved and is now like haunting the whole hotel. Hmm. 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 Maybe. Um, do you have anything you asked me to highlight Jean-Michel Renault? Oh, they're twins. Yes, probably. Yeah. Or or just a strong family resemblance. Mm, yeah. Um, and anyone seen Billy? <laughs> um, Billy is not gonna be Billy Zane. Oh yeah, I don't think it will be Billy yeah, because his name wasn't Billy in the show. I was curious if Billy was the guy that Andy was um, interrogating at the, or attempting to interrogate at the beginning of the episode. And he's still at large, perhaps. Um, That was my theory on Billy. Um, The kid with the lizard. I was just, well, I was getting to it. Okay. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I'm not going to forget the lizard. That's the most important mystery of all. One of the, (laughs) here, wait, quick tangent. One of the questions in my interview today was, how would you rate your level of assertiveness? Oh, what did you choose? And I, I stared directly. What scale did they give I you? Sca- I, still, I stared directly at them and I said, game recognizes game. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't. No, I did do impressions in this interview, which is not a good idea. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, what did I say? Um, I said- <laughs> Wait, what impression did you do? I wanted to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Yeah, I was doing I was doing Arnold Schwarzenegger and then I did Elvis. No, it was um <laughs> so weird. The uh they asked me to present on a program idea. So this is for a teen department head and uh had an idea for um um a video game art club that I'm working on with my good buddy Troy. And so anyway, I mentioned him. And so I ended up doing, so anyway, I talked to him about this idea and then Troy said, and I was like, oh, I almost did an impression. I'm not going to do it. And then someone was like, oh, I love Troy. And then I was like, okay, let me do an impression. So then I, I basically did Troy talking to me about the idea and then me talking back to Troy. <laughs> Tell me you did like, uh, and then so I said, and then he said, and then. <laughs> I, I didn't, but then I also did just my favorite Troy saying, because Troy likes things that are really hot. Like he likes being out in the hot weather and stuff like okay, that. Okay. Okay. And he speaks with not like a Southern accent, but just kind of like a, a distinct accent or distinct type of voice. And uh, one of his favorite things is if I could 
I would live on the surface of the sun. And I definitely, <laughs> I definitely did that during the interview. So now, you know why I'm like, I don't even want to think about this interview anymore. Because you know? <laughs> remember guys, real talk, my last, my last interview, they gave me some constructive feedback that I wasn't professional enough. <laughs> Tess, it is so hard. I, 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 I mean, hard. I mean, I, I am what I am, you know, I am what I am. Um, oh, anyway, my theory is that you slipped into a David Lynch movie. So oh. that was my theory. Oh, I like it. Actually, my theory is a little more grounded. Um, I, I really, I racked my brain because I was like, why would a kid bring me a lizard? I don't understand. And then I remembered a couple weeks ago, we did a program at the library called Reptile Wonders, mm. where we invited a, a, a gentleman to come to the library who keeps a number of reptile pets. And he showed off all of his pets. He had tortoises and snakes. Did he have a real long goatee? He sure did. Yeah, he's you a, remember this guy. I do remember yeah. him. He, he's a cool dude. I like him a lot. He's really cool. He is a really cool dude. By the way, he is coming back in the fall to do an apple cider program for us. Yep. He's bringing a mobile cider press and he's going to show the kids how to make apple cider. And then we're going to drink fresh apple cider. It sounds amazing. But I'm going to guess that this kid went to the reptile program and he now associates the library with all things reptile and so when he saw this lizard wherever he saw it that is why he said oh i have to get this for the library <laughs> that's my theory about the lizard <laughs> i asked my boss if i could hang the lizard in the library like if i could display it in the story time room and she told me no but she it doesn't match our decor but she did tell me that i could hang it in our work room um as long as i didn't put any nails in the wall so uh, there is now a metal ceramic decorative lizard hanging from a command hook in our work room um, i think that's a great compromise you know story time room maybe not but because I was about to say, why not the workroom? That sounds rad. Yep. Yep. That's exactly where he is. So that's, uh, that's, um, you know, lizard library talk for you. And those are all our mysteries. Yeah. Leaf, did you have a quotable quotation for this episode? I am. Um... To answer your question, I said um, level of assertiveness is a difficult thing to say. Like, what does that really mean? But I said, um, I'm assertive when I need to be. I said, usually I'm not. I definitely don't micromanage. I definitely don't get in people's faces. But if, for example, someone isn't following a library policy, we have to infer, uh, enforce, I will tell them they have to. And if someone, for example, I know it's not a fun thing to talk about, but doesn't want to wear a mask. I'm sorry. You know, I don't either. It's library policy, buddy, you know, and, and it's okay if you don't want to wear one, but um, that also means you can't come into the library. So not the end of the world. You can go somewhere else. You can go almost anywhere right now. Um, but once you're ready to wear a mask, come on in. And if you're not ready, just wait till that mask mandate gets lifted. No problem. So that was my answer. Is that a good answer? Would you give me the job? I think that's a great answer. I think it's truthful. It's accurate. And it also, it, in my opinion, it like, it shows that you are uh, generally, you're not a, a, a hard ass as they yeah. say, but you can be when you need to be. My ass, 
so soft. It's like it's like a baby's ass back there. Just and a, the airy. Right? It's a ba- thank you. I was just about to say it's just like a well, that's why it's so soft. It's just like it's just like petting a, a fine Siberian husky back there. It is it is nothing short of majestic, you know. Um, whenever I step out of the shower, Amanda just like salutes. She's like, look at that, look at that, look at that ass, is what she says. <laughs> That's America's ass. That's America's ass. Um, also, um, if anyone from today's interview panel is listening, I think I would be a great um, fit for the team department. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. Call me. I'm a reference. Yeah. Has, have I, real quick, have I lost touch with reality? I mean, really? I'm like... Yeah, you did a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I really... I used to be able to like kind of know like so this is where you this is where you act like this way and then you go to work and you do this but now I really don't know anymore and I'm really like I'm really like sure I'm gonna put this in my resume they'll get it (laughs) (sighs) I do um real simple I like this one a lot because it's very true Tess there's more to life than cars (laughs) there is there is Janie. Yeah. I love that. Um, my quotable quotation, and uh, you kind of picked up on this earlier. It's just the way that Diane mm. tells people to F off. My favorite one of the episode is <laughs> they're like walking into the prison. Tammy said something. I don't know what she said. <laughs> and Diane says, what did you say your name was? She's like, Tammy. And she's like, F you, Tammy. <laughs> So good. Baller move of like, I forgot your name. What is it? Okay, F you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me make it personal. <laughs> so funny. She was really, I think, one of the standout actors in this episode. Okay. It was very well, good. Well, let's find out who <laughs> our MVPs of the episode were <laughs> speaking of. <laughs> oh, where is it? There it is. really great superhero posing you did there so um uh that's just what i look like in my regular life <laughs> at all times captain america i i i try to live the superhero we're all about the superhero lifestyle you know okay yeah uh who's your mvp for this episode for me the one that stood out the most was diane i thought she was just very killer you could tell she'd been through some stuff um and also it's nice to finally i mean we met her in the last episode but it's nice to finally know her other than yeah than where the tape's going i told yeah. you for a long time i didn't think she was a real person you know <laughs> i actually like that theory it hadn't mm-hmm. occurred to me i always presumed she was some sort of faithful assistant somewhere i always um, i always thought that either she wasn't real and he was sending it somewhere and 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 he thought she was real and then like cole's like You've got a personal assistant. Just keep sending it in. <laughs> or or he knew she wasn't real and it's just like his like his head assistant, you know? Yeah. You know, so I, I also chose Diane as my mm. MVP. I think. Um, I think she's amazing. She's a baller. She's my hero. She's everything I wish I could be. She's so cool. She's everything I wish I could be. It is true. She's very assertive, and I am not. <laughs> I I what would how would you rate your level of assertiveness though? 
like me personally, very low. Um, I try to avoid confrontation at all costs. Um, And anytime I do have to confront someone, I always have to ask like three or four people for advice on like how to do it. Um, I, it's something I really need to work on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough. I appreciate your honest answer. You've got the job. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank You're very you. welcome. The other day, um, the library was closed as I said, this is just an example of how unassertive I am. Thank you. Um, the library was closed as, as I mentioned now, um, once the negative tests started rolling in like a few people tested negative and they were asked they were said you know the library said okay well you can come into the library to do work um and uh clear the book drop clear the delivery clear the pick list that had like 300 items on it that sort of thing um so I was in there working and I thought that the library was closed like locked up closed and it was but a young man pried the glass that we have sliding glass doors in the library he had pried them open and I hadn't seen this I just looked up from what I was doing and there was a a man in front of me he just appeared and I was very freaked out and I and I asked him how can I help you sir (laughs) I should have immediately said excuse me sir we're closed you just forced entry into a government building can you please leave um yeah. And he was like, I need to print something. And I said, I am so sorry, but we're closed. And Whoa. he was like, and he was like, well, I came a long way. Can't I just print something? And I said, no, I'm very sorry, sir, but you can utilize our other branches, with, which are, which are still open. And he just kind of like stood there. And I started like thinking in my brain, like, what am I going to do if he doesn't leave? Like I'm I'm basically in this building by myself with this strange man. And luckily he left, he turned around and walked out without saying another word to me. He was upset about not being able to print. And as he was walking out, he turned around and pried the doors closed again behind. behind Oh, well, that's something. At least he closed them, I guess. Yeah. So today the very we did was call building services and ask them to make sure that the um, sliding glass doors cannot be pried open by random gentlemen. So um, let me think about this. Um, a couple things. So one, maybe not super assertive. Um, great customer service. Phenomenal. Uh, you told, did you tell him he had to leave? I well, no, I just told him we were closed and he drew his own conclusion. Have you ever attended, and this is not intended to make you feel bad. Have you ever attended the training black belt librarian before? I think I have. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, years ago. And I can say his full name because it's here on the website. Mr. Warren Graham, if he heard this, he would be shaking his head at you. Cause remember his oh, whole, his, so whole disappointed. his whole thing is that you librarians do have to have customer service, but safety has to be number one. You know, he would yeah. be so like when he's like, Oh wait, we can't ban people. So we're having a situation at my library system where there's a guy who, and he's visited a couple different branches um, who has been caught um, manipulating his genitals in public places. It happens. It happens. Some guys just can't stop touching their genitals, you know? Um, also, man, I'm judging a lot. If you're going to masturbate around women and children in a public place, 
Uh, I'm a judge. Yeah, I'm sorry. Anyway, we've had a conversation recently. We're like, can we ban this guy? Uh Oh, county policy. What's going on? And I, I, this is a, I, we have a, uh, like a Microsoft teams where we can all get on there. And I got on there and put a little bit of my two cents on there. And I was like, if we can only ban someone for masturbating italics for two days after multiple offenses, we need to rethink this whole thing. I'm not even, I'm not a manager, Tess. I'm no one, I'm no one in this branch, but I'm like, this is absurd. I think I said a ludicrous form of mockery. <laughs> and anyway, where am I saying, where was I going with that? Oh, anyway, it's like, I get it. I get it. Cause as librarians were like, oh, we shouldn't have to ban this guy. No, Mr. Warren would be like, oh, get that man out of here. You know? Yeah, he would also be upset that I was caught off guard yeah. by the gentleman because I was like at a shelf doing something with a book and I looked up and he was there when uh, Mr. Warren Graham would tell me that I need to constantly be vigilant and looking around my surroundings and making sure that I'm kind of clocking everybody who's coming in. I was caught off guard because I presumed that yeah. the doors were locked, which technically they were um, they should anyway. have been yeah it was a very it was a very strange um occurrence but it, it gives you a, a a very good uh, look into my psyche which is quite dysfunctional another <laughs> thing that i did say at the interview when it comes to being assertive because i said often like i don't feel like i need to be assertive right like you know if staff yeah. members if they know what their role is and are doing it well who am i to you know i don't need to, you don't need to be the guy all the time um but one case i did say though is if someone comes up and I feel like one of my friends is getting some BS from a customer. I said, I'll get up. So I was just about to say, like, if you were there and I saw a guy opening a door and you're clearly trying to tell him to leave, I would have been there in a heartbeat. Like, because I'm Mr. Not to say I'm Mr. Nice Guy, but I think it's safe to say I'm Mr. Nice Guy. But the second I feel like you're trying to like take advantage, and most of my friends are women. So I'm sure that's a part of it. Once I feel like there's a guy who's trying to do that thing, um, this I'm there in a heartbeat. I remember once there was a guy at, at, at my old library um, and there was a guy and he was probably going through some stuff, a divorce or something. And he was just talking all about how women used to be and how they are now and how they should be. And, and I feel bad because I got out there and someone was helping him print stuff and he was just giving an earful to everyone. You can see wow. that, um, um, his staff members are just like, Oh, this guy. And they, they weren't saying anything. They're like, mm, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. And he was like, this is how women used to be. And now women today think they can, you know, and I went up there and the second I heard it, cause I was a manager at this time, I like <laughs> beelined over there. And I was like, and he was like, yeah, I'm just saying what I was like. I was like, no one asked to hear what your opinions are on women. Oh, he was like, and he was just like, and you know me, I'm not, you know, but if I feel like you're being a real, a real a-hole to my friends, um, and he was like, oh, I was just giving my opinions. It was like, no one asked. And he was like, oh, and he says something like, I'm sorry, sir. I think he said, sir, like in a condescending way, but he stopped and he left. And later a few staff members were like, thank you. Because sometimes, <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes for some guys, I know I've gotten on a soapbox a little bit. You need another guy to be like, no, you know, that's not okay. This guy. Anyway, my MVP of the episode. Wait, did we do that already? Yeah, we oh, did. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. How many fish in a percolator would you give this episode? Oh, drink that coffee. You'd never guess. So good. There was a fish in the percolator. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking about like what jerks guys are, but not Pete Martell. Pete Martell is no. a prince among men. And, 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 
<laughs> well, I, I was going to say, and also we should, we should say hashtag not all men as well. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. not at all. It's just, it's, it's just like anything. The, the worst situations stick out the most in your head. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, for every, um, that guy, there's a me. <laughs> uh, um, I would give this three fish in a percolator. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I gave it four fish in a percolator. Mm-hmm. It, was fine. Mm-hmm. it was a good one. Um, the next episode is part eight, and um, I I don't think it's been spoiled for you. I think your eyes not at all. Your at eyes all. are safe, but it has been hyped by uh by a lot of people um so i'm very interested to hear your thoughts on part eight in our next episode of same peaks let me ask you this i've i've asked this before it's not like a after this is downhill it's just that this is like a unique spike yes yeah this is just a very unique unique a unique ike the spike i i believe i believe when the original when this was initially aired on Showtime in uh, the year 2017, there was a week-long break after Mm. this episode. So this episode came out, and then the next week there should have been another episode, but there was a break instead. And I believe it was a holiday. I think it might have been July 4th or something, and that's why they didn't air the episode. But it felt like, it felt like almost like intermission, if that makes sense. Like, that's what it kind of felt like to me. It felt like there was this very kind of pivotal episode. And then, and then I don't know if you did it on purpose, but it was almost like David Lynch was giving us a whole nother week to think about it. Like <laughs> you need to really think about what I said in this episode. <laughs> so the, the break was after episode eight. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I don't know, again, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if David Lynch was like, they're going to need some more time to chew on what I just fed them. Like that was, that was a lot of imagery that, that you need to think about a lot of sounds and images and, and yeah. So, um, smells, textures. (laughs) So we'll regroup, we'll regroup again, hopefully in a week. Um, tastes there it is i missed i knew i was missing one um if you would like to send us an email that emails at uh same peaks y'all at gmail.com uh, and if you like to see our beautiful smiling and and at times erratic faces um you can see them <laughs> on uh on youtube just search for same team y'all that's our sister cast that we are uh um on hiatus for to finish this and if we uh everyone listening we very much appreciate you thanks for sticking with us even when we take our breaks because real life happens um you are all humans i'm sure you understand um thank you so much for joining us and uh oh oh um what's what's your name again i don't remember your name my name is tess f u tess (laughs) 